Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Charlie. Today, I am joined by Orion Cooling and Zach Meyer, founders of Shadow Carrier Storytelling Collective. Their multi-decade partnership has spun tales of the supernatural for audiences nationwide, from tall ships to walking tours to backyard picnic tables and anywhere a good legend is appreciated. Their podcast of the same name amplifies their storytelling style with immersive soundscaping and music design to take you into the darkness and out again. Previous seasons have explored the lore of Chicago, New Orleans, and big cities, and they're well into this year's theme of spirit ships and haunted harbors. Orion and Zach are coming back to Andersonville for their fourth year of walking tours to share the histories, mysteries, legends, and lore gifted to them by neighbors and businesses that take a peek into the darker side of these blocks. Shadow Carrier Andersonville events run from Sunday, October 8th through Friday, October 20th, with both walking tours and sit-down ghost stories at the Understudy Cafe. Zach, Orion, thank you for joining me today for, I like to think, our first spooky episode of the year. I'd love to do a whole year of horror episodes if I could, but thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Of course, of course. If we could start just by, I always have uh, all the guests give me a little background about themselves and then some just base before we get too into conversation, some base history on Shadow Carriers. You both come from some performance background of a kind, correct? Yeah, we uh, both have degrees in theater. Zach actually has a graduate degree in theater. I have a, a lowly bachelor's. Um, so I am, I am uh, not proud of that BA. Be proud of oh, that BA. Yo, baby. Hey, you I've got that, I've got that theater BA with you too. Don't worry. We're oh, of the yeah. same kid. Oh, my friends. I actually have a BS for the, oh. the, the when I graduated <laughs> school, it was a bachelor's of science in theater. You know how science works. That seems to, that seems to be fitting though. Yeah, somehow it it works out quite well. Yeah. Um, And then um, I ran a theater company in Chicago for uh, for more than 15 years. And my background in theater goes from um, uh, everything from stunt work, which Zach and I both met doing um, stunt work and stage combat. And and for me, I also have a specialty in neurodiverse and multi-needs, differently able theater programming. And so I did a lot of that. It's a big part of my life, huge part of my life in Chicago. And... uh, Finally, for me, I work a lot, worked a lot of historical um, sites, uh, forts, lumber mills, everything from tall ships to uh, telling the stories of the Catholic Church in the colonial era, working for Mackinac State Parks and, and various vessels across the country and world. Similarly, a lot of we, like Orion said, we met doing stunt work, but additionally, do I uh, used to do uh, unrehearsed Shakespeare. It's a very uh, old theory of how to do performances without rehearsal by using the text. It's super fun, super engaging. And then my master's is in devising new work. And so creating things, collaborating with teams, obviously that has been <laughs> very helpful with this project of uh, figuring out how to collaborate together. I hadn't had a experience creating a podcast before this one. A lot of it was kind of figuring it out as we go, including how to like work together in terms of writing stories. Usually we would, if we would do tours together, it would be like, he took that section and I took that section, that section, and we would be very individualized. But this podcast that came up during the pandemic, because we couldn't do tours, came up because we wanted to still do ghost stories. We still wanted to work with each other and create with each other since theater really took a hard hit. Freak people uh, out. And- yeah. And so 
through that process, we also learned how to work together and uh, workshop stories with each other. We also, our partners, Sarah and Angela, are incredibly vital to our team as well, keeping us organized, giving very different perspectives on stories and different angles that we could do. And so the we're the faces, but they are very vital to the success and momentum of what we're doing too. Great. So, I mean, so uh, the podcast sort of became, is the continuation of what you were doing before COVID, obviously, just when we were all stuck inside, you were able to transfer that. A lot of theaters had to figure out how to transfer creativity and their performance to other mediums. So you've really sort of, and you kind of took that because Shadow Carriers as itself is a multidisciplinary medium. You know, you utilize multiple types of tech and uh, for your stories. So did that, is that something that developed more so after you created the podcast and after uh, the pandemic? Because, you know, in the intro, I comment that, um, you know, you use immersive sound to create these experiences. So I'm curious if that changed or developed between starting the podcast and going back into the walking tours. Well, our first adventure kind of into this, uh, we were working side by side telling uh, historical maritime history. And then my father, um, who passed this year, is a, a longtime ghost storyteller and ghost tour guide in northern Michigan, invited Zach and I to come up to do a conference with him in a place called Sault Ste. Marie over the bridge. And um, it was a huge paranormal convention, and Dad was leading ghost tours. And he said, why don't you guys get up here and give me a hand? And we did. And we had, like, so the three of us, this triangle of storytellers, started working side by side. When we were doing, Sault Ste. Marie is not big, and that convention is rather large. And we were doing, I think, six tours a night hmm. and just like bouncing between the three of us and all working together. And then in that same season, my brother, who is a rapper and hip hop producer out in California, took some of my dad's and I's stories and set them to music. And we did this kind of trial album called Shades and Shadows. And it had a very similar to uh, the podcast Spooked, had this incredible, like, I don't know. It, it was hip hop. It was fantastic. Pulled alongside of my my dad's stories and my stories. And we were really inspired by that. For the podcast, kind of the, the idea of like, could we create a scoring experience that enhanced the stories? And interestingly enough, here we are in season four. We've actually returned back to Tommy Jordan. He's remixing four episodes for our October season. We only usually drop one episode a month. And this time, uh, Tommy uh, has cut a whole bunch of tracks for us. And we're dropping one episode every week in Halloween um, to keep it going. And it's mixed back in that old school, very first iteration of us doing this together with with a with the hip hop background. And it's I'm, I'm really it's really it's really cool. Nice. It came out really well. I'm really happy about it. So we were inspired by this kind of multiple multidisciplinary approach out the gate, inspired by collaborative storytelling out the gate. But the idea, what really makes this experience a little bit different than what we had been doing pre pandemic is the synthesis. It's not just in the podcast, we are blending our storytelling abilities side by side, paragraph by paragraph, line by line. So it becomes like a a two-person show, whereas in leading tours, spiritually speaking, this is Zach's story stop. Now this is my story stop. And now this is Zach's story stop. And this is, it's less, it's not a skit, you know, it's it's storytelling. Right, right. And so there's not prescribed lines. There might be hooks that always work but there's not, you know, I'm not going to jump in and add a quick whip on Zach's story. Zach's going to tell a story. He's going to bring it to completion. He's going to pass the ball to me, you know? So, yeah. So, you mentioned uh, your father. So, Supernatural runs in your family. 
Yeah, very much so. So my family's of Irish and Scottish descent, and we uh, we're very fond of a good ghost story. And we have a whole bunch of very um, strong le- legends in the family. I had a grandparent at one point who went up against a banshee. Like there's there's a lot of stuff going on, and so um, it's a heritage that I call into. And it's something that I really I play with the Irish rock band here in Chicago. In fact, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but I'll be up there <laughs> for halfway to St. Patrick's uh, doing shows this weekend, and I'll be up in December doing shows, and then we play just. So many shows during the St. Patrick's season <laughs> in Chicago, um, like like 12 to 15 shows in the St. Patrick's week. So Irish culture uh, matters a lot to me. And I definitely use that as, as a draw source. I'll usually I'll, I'll use it as a, a basis in which to jump from for, for the Celtic and Gaelic perspectives. But uh, yeah, it's we're a big fan of, of spooky stories. And I think that's something important to point out is that I'm actually spooky rather than horror. Right. So when I lead ghost stories here in New Orleans, um, ghost stories in New Orleans, which I do every night, twice a night, people ask me, is it terrifying? I said, you have to define what terror means to you because I'm not a jump scare. I am not a gore, but I am about weaving a tale that opens up your mind to the possibility of this being something bigger than us out there. And sometimes that can become rather uncomfortable when people have to face the idea that there is two kinds of supernatural. And one supernatural is Things like angels, positive things, beautiful things, miracles. That's supernatural. That's paranormal. We can't explain that any more by science than we can do anything else. But if we're going to have a, something that casts light, then there's things that cast shadow. And our our job in shadow care is to explore the shadows, to see what could be out there if we let ourselves be brave enough to wonder. I love that. <laughs> we definitely can do horror, especially in our podcast, <laughs> especially when uh, Angela writes us an episode. We're, we're going really dark. Oh my lord! Yeah, oh, if Angela's writing the podcast. It's time to strap in. It's gonna yeah. get bloody. I need to know which episodes those are. Then I'm listening through the whole thing now. But uh, oh, yes, Zach, continue. But we also really focus on that. The reason why this paranormal supernatural experience exists, going the human approach, the empathy approach, and sometimes you find in there it's like this person does not deserve our sympathy, but they do deserve a fair story um, that doesn't necessarily take them off the hook or anything like that. And so sometimes like we, we always, uh, after we finish an episode, we publish it and we have finally, like we can listen to it without a, an ear for critique or notes, uh, note taking. We kind of go like, Oh, that was a really eerie episode. That was a really creepy. That was really, uh, you know, there, we have this bank of adjectives basically of like, was it scary? I think so. It was way more creepy than it was scary. And so we kind of break open this potential and uh, of this, basically this field of what a ghost story can be and what it can do. Um, because there's sometimes we tell ghost stories that are very healing too, that aren't just there to scare you or frighten you of just like uh, to connect you to a place, uh, an event, uh, and stuff like that. And so we have found a, a very big buffet of this genre by not just focusing on like, oh, blood, guts, gore, da, 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 and for every episode. It's been super fun and very challenging of digging down into the question of what is happening here? Why does this thing exist? Why is it a legend? What is the context of it? historically and how do we view it from a perspective of a modern eye all this stuff it's been we i don't think we could have imagined where this has gotten to when we were figuring this out in 
my backyard in 2020. Well, and I think what it kind of sounds like too, and I mean, like I, I mentioned to you before, I, I'm a big, I say horror movies because that's the genre, but scary movies, spooky movies, horror sure. movies uh, person. But, it, you know, I'm the one who my friends ask recommendations for. And a lot of the times the one I'm, ones I'm recommending them are not the gory ones, are not mm. the, the, the jump. I don't like jump scares personally. I think they can be well done, but it's rare. But the ones that really terrify me are the ones that are more human, are the ones that... Mm -hmm. sort of seem more, I guess, for lack of a better word, possible or have the potential of actually having existed, having happened. So, I mean, I love, I actually, I'm wondering, can you give me, you mentioned a story you might have of someone who doesn't deserve our sympathy. And I'm curious, uh, you know, do you have a story that comes to mind that yeah. uh, sticks out to you for that sort of situation? Yeah, don't mind if I do. <laughs> um, there's this story we have, um, that takes place in a, um, iron factory mm. in, uh, is it Georgia? Birmingham. Or it, no, Birmingham. Yeah. The guy, the main antagonist in the story, his name is something like, Ooh, let me it's look like it up. Slag. It's like Slag. Yeah, Wormwood. It it's like Slag. Okay. Wormwood. So I don't like, Dude. I don't like him already. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. The guy's name. Oh, Hey, hello. My name is Slag Wormwood. Oh, we're not friends. Right. Um, <laughs> And this guy was, historically speaking, a barbarous monster. This dude did horrific and hellish things to people and then eventually was killed by the same furnaces he tortured people with. I'm like, and there you go, sucker. You know, like, enjoy hell. And so, like, very, but that's very seldom. I think that's the thing that we talk a lot about. We oftentimes, I almost always write from the perspective and empathy of the ghost. I want to almost... Broadly speaking, a lot of times when discussing hauntings, you're talking about a paranormal trap that somebody's in. And so you think about what it means to be entrapped in a cycle in your worst moment, you know, in the moment that was the the ultimate, the pen, the penultimate moment of your worst part of existing. And that's how you're spending eternity. Oh, I have empathy for that. I have empathy for that, you know, and this comes from, from Jacob Marley forward, you know, mm -hmm. and at the same time, sometimes you uncover those stories with these people who like, I've definitely walked away from stories where I'm like, I don't want to tell this person's story. I'm not interested in, in, in telling the history and legend of this individual. I'm not interested in, in sharing this darkness any further, you know? And so it's, it is per, per storyteller, right? All of us have written episodes um, for the podcast, Sarah, Angela, Zach, and I. In general, like we said before, Angela tends to find the darkest stories that we have and tends to swing the hardest at the darkest stories. And I think that both Zach and I, if you listen to who writes the podcast or the episode, you'll find a very different approach because we have different starting points, different things that we latch onto. And for me, I almost always start with great ghost empathy. And that's kind of my beginning moment. And I work my way out from there. So do you find that the you approach the way you uh, write episodes for the podcast differently than how you write and construct your walking tours? I know you said it's 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 sort of you have one and Zach has one and, and you have one and Zach has one. Well, it's, so I, it's a different medium. And I think, and this was some, one of the challenges that we had to figure out. It's one thing to write for yourself, by yourself, doing it live, having a live audience, being on a loud street, being a part of a two hour tour kind of thing like that. And then when we're writing for the podcast, you take all these elements in, okay, we have the ability to get guest performers on board. It doesn't have to be just the two of us or the four of us. We have the opportunity to use music and uh, sound effects and to banter back and forth to not have to worry about like 
timing of a live performance, I can do all that in audacity. Like I can time everything. I can overlap. I can duplicate. And so you have all these. And so really it's kind of like you have to remember the tools that are at your disposal for what medium you're publishing in. Are you publishing in a podcast format or are you quote unquote publishing it as a live performance on the street on Clark street, you know? And so that's the fun thing. And usually we'll workshop, you know, whoever's the episode captain, we call it, is basically the writer. You know, they'll do a draft and we'll do a workshop with the four of us and we'll listen and we'll talk about opportunities that we're hearing, points that could be strengthened or even just, you know, pointing out of like, you, maybe we should pull in a guest artist. Maybe instead of having it a banter, let's put it in a scene and have someone separately speak those lines and so we can help Im- immerse the audience further into it and so yeah it's really it's like we have to remember what we're writing for i think also the, the joy of having worked with zach for more than a decade and having him be one of my dearest friends is that i know his voice mm-hmm. i've literally sailed ships with this guy i have walked through cemeteries with this man i had i've sat by his campfires and i know how he talks to his children i know his voice and so when i have the chance to write I have a pretty good understanding of how Zach's voice is going to be in the in the narrative, right? You can't do that for everybody, you know? When I write a scene, when I write a scene for guest actors, I have a hope that it will sound a certain way and I can direct it to sound a certain way and then we can send those some different takes and we can take the take that we like of it. Yeah. But for Zach, I'm like I I'm pretty well keyed in to his narrative and his strengths and his his uh what he brings to the table. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to write Zach's in dialogue. This going to sound <laughs> sweet coming out of Zach's mouth. So, yeah. So then I always have a question later in terms of, you know, why one experience versus another? Why work with this person versus another person? But I feel like you've already kind of partially spelled that out for me in terms of the humanity of the stories. You know, it's it's not a haunted house. It's not, you know, a, a horror movie drive-in or something like that. This is a legitimate theatrical performance and real story you're telling. So the next thing I guess I want to ask you about is sort of your process for create. We talked about the tech a little bit. We talked about, you know, the writing process a little bit, but collecting the stories and then Mm. deciding obviously which ones you're going to present, how you want to present them. And then I think one thing for stories that I, I love, but is can be a little difficult when you're devising theater from it is you can hear a story, but you're hearing it from one perspective. So when you hear it, so if you're trying to present some of these with more empathy or trying, you know, you have ones that you don't want to present with empathy, how do you consider the other perspectives of the story that you might not have read it through? That's a really, really great question. And it's something that we're constantly figuring out as we go. There are some episode topics that we have passed on to other people of like, we're not the right person to tell these story to, to craft a story here. And it, it's kind of like what we have different levels of kind of um, filtering through this of like, okay, it starts with the one person writing it. And then we send it to the four of us for the four people perspective. We've also have friends that are more closely aligned with maybe the topic matter uh, historically or, or any sort of, uh, way that we'll send to them and be like, are we missing anything? Should we even do this? Should we dare to put this out and basically say like, we did this and kind of risk that. And the thing is, it's not that the story shouldn't be told. It's just that we're very 
we, tr- we try, we're not perfect, but we try to be very considerate and sensitive to the stories that shouldn't be ours to tell. And we're not perfect, but our intention is always there. But yeah, we send it out to a lot of different people. So a good example, I think, with this would be, we did a really, an episode I felt very passionate about, about a person named Julian Eltinge. Uh, Julian Eltinge was a female personator in the early 1900s. There's a ghost story attached to them here in New Orleans. They at one point were as successful as Charlie Chaplin. They were actually better paid than Charlie Chaplin. And they built castles. There's a theater named after them in, in New York City. There's now an AMC still there. Julian Eltinge matters a lot to the historical drag community. Even though Julian Eltinge never identified with any other pronouns than he, him, I thought it was important that we reached out to our community and find out not just for sensitivity reading of the script, but for comprehension of the topic at hand, the historical situation that we were in, and the ramifications of this current dialogue in the world that we're living in. So it was sent to a professional presenter who actually lives in Chicago, um, uh, Charlotte Baker, who does consulting on this particular topic. It was then sent to another friend of mine who's an activist um, in the uh, trans and non-binary community. And then it's sent to another actor uh, friend of mine out in California. So we went through these different variations of of sensitivity reading and coaching and consulting about the actual script. And then I was very happy to make sure that when Julian's voice was used in the story, I used a local Chicago-based drag performer, um, Brian Estep, who is just the drag. They do drag as a charity share alike. And they Brian, were brilliant. Brian Estep? Yeah. Yeah, he works it in a Visionary Eye Care in Andersonville. Yeah, yes, there you go. I know him. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I met Brian working, uh, doing charity work at the call before the call closed him. We got along really well. And so when I wanted the voice of this actor, and, and if you know Brian, Brian, their vocal qualities are very strong. They've got a very strong voice. And Julian Eltinge was a person who really pushed a lot of authority into their voice when they were using kind of the, the masculine perspective. I had a great time working on the episode. It was one of those things as a cis white man who is heterosexual, I didn't feel like I had the right perspective or the authority to tell this story unless I went to the community, which was directly affected by the story and asked for perspective. Then it was my honor as I believe that what white men should be doing, and this is again, my personal opinion, this may not make the cut of your podcast, is holding the door open for others and getting the hell out of the way is what I was hoping to do. So that's just one episode uh, that we've, we've done that for. We've done that for a couple of different episodes, but that's one that just jumps to mind. And that's in season three. Great. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, getting sort of insight into the creation process, not just in terms of what stories and how you're telling them, but also what, you know, your mission is and your motivation is for this, because, you know, this doesn't have to just be something, you know, this isn't just a Halloween thing. And this doesn't have to be something that is specifically for this particular reason of either trying to scare people or or just have a spooky story. You're actually telling legitimate human stories here. Supernatural, potentially, but (laughs) human stories. Well, and there are plenty. We also have stories that are very, very scary. And so it's all of the above, you know, and kind of like what you said, it's like this genre is so dense and full that if you're only doing blood and guts and gore, then you're missing out on so much. Mm -hmm. Not to say that you shouldn't do blood and guts and gore, but there's so much that can be enjoyed of this genre. So what I'd love to do is jump into 
talking to you about some of the Andersonville uh, mm. tour that you're going to be doing, uh, because uh, I know that you've got the walking tours going on, and then you also are having some separate events at the understudy, uh, some a sit-down uh, storytelling, correct? Yeah, so that's basically a sit-down version of our walking tour. And so that we are so thrilled to work with the understudy. We love what they're doing. And, you know, uh, we're so happy to see that uh, whenever we walk by, they seem to be bustling with business. I can't, um, you know, we interviewed them. I can't get a, I can't get a seat in there. I just want to, I, I, I just want to do <laughs> some work in there. I can't get a seat in there. But we also know that walking and standing along the main strip of Andersonville isn't uh, available to everyone and not pr- uh, preferential for everyone. And so we have two, sit-down shows, one at Mrs. Murphy's on Lincoln and one at the understudy that's actually on the strip uh, in Andersonville on Clark. And so, yeah, we have, basically, it provides an opportunity for people to have a seat, get the refreshments and uh, everything that those two venues provide, have a bathroom nearby. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we we did one last year. We did one night of a sit-down as a rain date. And a lot of people who went there, they were like, we, I, I can't do, or I don't want to do the walking part mm-hmm. of your walking tour. And so we're really thrilled to have both venues to be working this year for the sit down. We of course always talk about the rich heritage of Andersonville, but I don't think something we've touched on is the spooky heritage of Andersonville. Uh, so I'd love to hear about where you have uh, these stories for this particular tour have come from. Cool. Uh, and how sort of the process of developing the Andersonville tour specifically came to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do that because I kind of wrote the tour. When I develop ghost tours of any area, it has to have a couple ingredients, right? One is you've got to have some history. Obviously, Andersonville has a rich and complicated and beautiful uh, history, but I'm going to go back to the word complicated. You don't get ghost stories without some trauma. And the thing about mixing cultures, history, different nationalities, different worldviews into a neighborhood is you're going to get conflict. And the conflict creates sometimes violence and sometimes some pretty rough things that happen. And so you have to have an area that has conflict. I say in New Orleans, ghost stories come from trauma. And how we heal from trauma is discussing trauma, hopefully in an environment that is constructive, right? Um, so the nice thing is ghost, uh, when I develop a ghost tour of any given area, it has to be a fun place to walk. It has to be a fun place to be. Now, it can be a spooky place to be, right? Um, sometimes when you're doing, you know, you're walking through certain sites, you're like feel really unsettled by them. You know, I'm thinking about, we uh, used to do a cemetery tour in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, and a cemetery that goes back 1700s. And the cemetery just felt, just felt dense, you know, felt very intense. But you want it to be, you want it to be interesting and, and um, fun. And that's the thing too, like I'm, who, I don't know, have, if you've never walked down Andersonville, you're missing out. It's just a heck <laughs> of a neighborhood. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't get more charming than that. We you like know? it. And um, yeah, and, <laughs> and you should, you know, like I did when I was in Chicago, I put a ton of my theater work in Andersonville just because I really enjoyed that neighborhood. I loved it. I just felt good being there. I like the restaurants. I like the shops. This goes to the next part about it. One of the most challenging parts of telling ghost stories of a neighborhood is you are telling known secrets, right? You cannot tell a story that you don't have permission to tell. You cannot tell a story that isn't okay for the business or isn't okay for the neighborhood. Um, that's, how, that's how you create real ill will. And so 
I learned this the hard way by putting together tours in Sault Ste. Marie um, alongside of my father. You'd walk into a space and you say, hello, my name is Orion Cooley. I'm putting together a historical ghost walk. Uh, we're going to be featuring different businesses and shops along this main strip. Do you have any ghost stories that you'd like to tell us that you feel comfortable with us sharing to our guests? And sometimes like, oh, sit down. Let me tell you a story. And then they'll like, the launch. You're like, oh, yeah. And then you say, cool, can I tell that story? You're like, oh, yeah. And then you work at the story and make it happen. And sometimes you're like, hello, my name is Ryan Cooley. And I'm like, I'm gathering ghost stories about Andersonville. And I would love to share with our guest about your business and, and your, your history and, and what has gone on here. And anything spooky ever happened? And they'll say, get the hell out of our business. And they will literally aggressively and no shade to the places who've done that to me in Andersonville. There's been at least four or five spots who like were aggressively, assertively do not stop here. Do not talk about our business. Get out. And I was like, oh, okay. Thank you very much. People have very passionate feelings about the paranormal. And they either are down with it or they would like to throw you off a cliff. And there are a couple of businesses who, who uh, did not like me uh, talking, asking them questions at all. And, um, and you respect that. You don't mention it. And you move on, you know, and you go to the places that feel comfortable telling stories and you create the, the tour from there, you know. Um, we're blessed that we have enough spots along the route that we're not want for stories. There's plenty of stories, you know. And then there's also like one or two stories that we can transpose. So one story that we actually don't do, let me give an example, uh, on our walking tour, we don't time for it. It's just a fair amount of stories about the aircrafts that have crashed into uh, Lake Michigan. And then there's that monument next to the um, Peaches Fountain. Gethsemane Garden, there's a, there's a monument that has a, an Air, uh, Air Force logo upon it. And I can use that to jump over to airplanes, right? So if I need filler, I can pull. I can, I can yank it from another area and make it happen. But Andersonville has such a rich and complex history. We don't need much of filler. We can really walk every couple of blocks and get into some great stuff. Can we possibly get a sneak peek of uh, of uh, one of the stories that you'll you'll be telling on the tour? So Simon's, right? I mean, everybody knows that story already, right? I don't know that story. <laughs> <laughs> That's what oh. I'm saying. Is uh, okay, so I, is, I'm not familiar the with most, these with these Andersonville spooky stories. Yeah, I'm excited one of for the, most the tour. Famous ghost stories in Chicago. Um, it is it, it, every time there's a top ten haunted spots in Chicago list that comes out on a listserv. This is almost always on that listserv. It has a speakeasy in the basement. There's a, a woman in red, or there's a woman in a, in a, a dress that's seen there. She's seen in the basement. She's seen um, um, up there buying drinks on her own from the from this kind of 1930s post speakeasy era. And uh, this is something that the owner has uh, done interviews about and talked about extensively. And there's a powerful and passionate love story that ties into what might have happened to the spirit that's from that area. Um, and we get a chance to explore it. Now, every once in a while, um, I'm missing his name right now. Who's the owner of that place? Uh, Scott. Scott. Sometimes he'll come right out in the middle of the story. I'm like, and we'll let him finish telling the story <laughs> because it's 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 a story. And that's the thing too, like for him, and this is really, you'll hear us do this and come on the tour. He believes that the haunting has been resolved. And so it's our job to acknowledge that from the owner's perspective, the haunting has been resolved. And then our job also is to go, however, what if, you know, and to have fun with that too, you know? And so that's that's one that we, we can get into um, that if people... In New Orleans, people always come to me asking about the Lollary Mansion from American Horror Story Coven. Mm. If they know anything about Chicago ghost stories, they come to me asking me about Simon's um, in Andersonville. So. Very cool. I know what uh, my first stop is going to be 
when I go to work today is uh, to Simon, see if Scott can tell me a little story or I'll learn, yeah. I'll hear it on the shadow carriers walking tour. Why don't I do that? Yeah. Come on out. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess one thing, you know, obviously the community as of Andersonville, very wide range of, of, you know, uh, people that live in the neighborhood are, the, is the, are the walking tours themselves all family friendly? Is there a particular age that you might recommend for uh, coming along? I think because, you know, I know it's the sort of thing I would have loved to do as a kid. I mean, I would have been scared out of my mind, but I would have loved to do it. And so I'm, I'm curious for parents that may be listening if uh, I think definitely. So we have a five o'clock and an eight o'clock. I for younger kids, I would definitely recommend going on the earlier slot just because the sun is still kind of out. It can give a little bit of comfort there. We also kind of have the mindset of when we get to a stop and we see the the young one and we kind of make an assessment of like, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe we should suggest that you go with the non-storyteller and hang out over there for, for a little bit of uh, distraction and separate history going on on the corner while the storyteller <laughs> takes the group into darkness. And so we do have a, a, a consideration to that, but I don't know what, what do you have an age? I think, I mean, Zach's a dad, yeah. right? And I spent 15 years in education. We have the ability to tailor it to the, the needs of the audience. And it's important to understand that the love or enthusiasm of a scary story doesn't really matter on age. It matters upon just where that person's at in their empathy and imagination and these triggers and whatnot. So I've had stories where I've got nine girls like, give me your hardest hitting ghost <laughs> story. I would like to have psychological trauma for the rest of my life. And I've got ones who I've got 40 year olds who, who are ducking out, you know, um, and that's okay. We strongly believe in boundaries. We strongly believe in knowing what's good for you. I have a particular uh, story on the tour. I'm not going to tell you right now, but I had a previous guest who comes every year. She's very unsettled by that particular story. So when we go tell that one story, she hangs back for a block or so and then meets back up after the story's done, right? I love that. I love that. I love someone catering the experience to their needs. That's phenomenal, right? So I think age-wise, it's nice to do the five o'clock for the families, and but we have the ability to read an audience. And there's sometimes where I'll be watching an audience and we'll be talking about a particular, there's like, I don't even know, maybe three extremely grim stories, you know? Um, and you watch the audience and you start watching recoil. And so you, because it's a live event, tailor to the experience. You don't just run a script. You don't just like keep going on the same uh, path that you've been on. You see that somebody's having a hard time with it. And you can know, you know, when you're doing live theater and do this kind of live theater where there is no fourth wall, um, you know that your audience is part of the experience and you want them to have a great time. And when you watch someone recoiling, not in horror, but in, in, in discomfort, there's a difference. There's a difference between being afraid and loving the fear. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, can you believe it? Oh, I'm really unsettled. There's chills going down my spine. And someone going, I, you can see someone's fight or flight response kicking off. Mm -hmm. Now, that's the difference between going on a ghost tour. In my experience, a, a well-done ghost tour in a haunted house. A haunted house is get through it, buddy. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, um, and that's not always the case, too. I've actually worked in haunts where they, when somebody is having a hard time, they basically create safe words and tap outs, right? And I think that's actually a really good thing for a haunts to have. Um but at the same time, it's not it's not always the case. And so most of the time you're put through a meat grinder. We're not interested in putting an audience through a meat grinder. We're inter interested in transporting an audience 
into history, into the what ifs and back out again. That's what we're interested in doing. And so I want to tell you a story that's going to make you, you know, fall in love with wonder, but I don't want to tell you a story that's going to cause you damage. And so whether it's a kid or whether it's an adult, that's really important to, to consider as you tailor the experience to the group that you're working with. It, it's a challenging genre to be in as a, a spectator, but really our main goal and intention that's always kind of working in the background is we want you to come back. We want you to bring a friend. We want you to subscribe to our podcast. We want you to have an entertaining time, even if it is unsettling with the nature of the stories. But yeah, we don't <laughs> we don't want to put you through a meat grinder unnecessarily and just like keep pushing you past your boundaries that you're clearly stating if you're not vocalizing, like we can tell in your body language that's like, uh, okay. And yeah, uh, we've been doing this for multiple decades together where we kind of make that call in real time. We can kind of dance with the story, especially if there's a young one. We're like, and everyone was okay. <laughs> you know, it, and the thing is like our podcast is very uh, I wouldn't say serious because we do have uh, fun moments, but it is, it is very uh, pointed forward. Like we're, we're, we're going to create this theatrical experience for you in your ears and everything like that. On our walking tours, we have a lot of levity in addition to the scary and spooky because it's two hours of a lot of stories that usually have trauma and, and something horrible happen. You have to have levity. So the banter between us, some jokes uh, within stories, you know, it's it's not going to be <laughs> two hours of awful, 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 terrible, terrible, terrible uh, history, stuff like that. It's going to be a lot of variety. I, I think that it's oftentimes overstated, um, but here we go again, that good comedy actors make the best dramatic actors. And I think it flips both ways. Like, if you don't understand how to tell a joke, then you probably don't know how to tell a ghost story. Mm. And if you don't know how to tell a ghost story, then your jokes probably are crap. And so I think that you have to understand that you part of what we do is you ratchet up the tension and then you lighten it and then you ratchet up again. And every time you ratchet it, you ratchet a little tighter and a little tighter and you escalate a little more, but then you keep a little levity in there. And then by the time you've got that sprung, that spring just ready to completely pop, you have created a safe place to be in the audience, you know? And so that's, that's an important understanding that comedy or another thing we can do is history. Another place to to take tension out, to ease the tension, is to say, you know, as we walk by this cool building, I want to point out this cool terracotta here. This was put here in, in 1925 when this building was X, Y, or Z. It's just it's, it's nice noticing details in the neighborhood that you may not notice if you weren't on a walking tour. That's one of the cool things about walking tours is it slows you down and makes you observe. And Andersonville which is a very walkable neighborhood, very bikeable neighborhood. We most time drive through that bad boy on a bus or on a car. Man, there's so much beauty to take in and so much detail. And every time you observe a detail, it tells a story of a person, a place, a culture, a people. And it's a chance to do that too. So that's, again, another way of, of de-escalating the tension and taking some of that out so you can breathe and then go back into it again. It's a marathon in terms of like, not because it's so long, but in the sense of it's different than sprinting. You know, you have to have those moments where you walk and some those moments where you run. And the thing is, like people have told us that we've never looked. It, you have to look at the neighborhood and a lot and encourage the audience to look at the neighborhood as if you are at an art museum. 
you can't just look at the painting. You have to look from different perspectives, take it in from different places. And it's one of those, like, I never looked up before. I never noticed that above the entrance to Brown Elephant in the stonework, it says Callow Theater. And that's one of the stories that we have is about the Callow Theater. But they're like, I never noticed that had had a name completely different than the current business uh, in the stone. And it's like, yeah. And that's what we hope to also point out in the like, there is a lot of things in the neighborhood that go, I never noticed that before. I'm curious. And, and then you're off to the races. Yeah. I mean, I think um, uh, we're, you know, these days, especially often rushing around seeing the, what we want to see or what we need to see. And we, we miss out on some of those, those unique aspects of a neighborhood, especially for places that have a rich, you know, history, sort of whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's a big city or a rural town or a shipyard, or there's always something to learn that you didn't realize before. Mm-hmm. So my one last question for you both is I'm curious if you have off the top of your head, an experience you had or a movie you've seen or a play you saw what something that comes to mind that really maybe ignited your interest in this so ryan i know it's sort of run in the family for you but uh what was an early experience that you had that sort of uh i mean like i saw the exorcist when i was eight years old and i really shouldn't have done that but (laughs) it sort of sparked my my love of spooky and my part of my love for movies as a whole so i'm curious what you've got in your history can i throw three things at you um i'm gonna go with the things that inspired me and things that i love in the same kind of genre one is as far as inspired me, I grew up with stories of, of malevolent spirits and and uh, the way that people hear fairy tales. I heard stories about monsters um, growing up. And so that's part of it, just kind of the upgrowing, a growing experience I had. I definitely have encountered paranormal things of my own. Um, it's subjective. It always is, right? Supernatural stuff is a matter of faith when it comes down to it. And my family happens to walk in that in that, that faith. As far as things that I... My, my favorite scary movie, uh, I... I, was, I like a lot of scary movies, but I really love The Haunting with Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the rhythm. I like the cutting. I like the editing. I like the style, like the whole thing. That to me is kind of great. That's a great, well-rounded ghost story right there. Um, I just it checks all the boxes for me. It doesn't mean I don't like, you know, more scary or more intense films. I just I like that style. That's kind of a, a benchmark I'm going for. And then in Chicago, I want to shout out um, one haunted ex- play experience that is going on, it's still going on this year. Um, Rough House, the puppet theater company, does an incredible interactive puppet experience that is unlike anything I have ever experienced. And it is truly magnificent in their creativity, in their aesthetic, and in the feeling you get going through it. Uh, they have a new one coming out this year. It is my personal favorite Halloween tradition um, is to go attend that. Um, and, and I'm going to throw one more Halloween tradition that I just love that makes my my spooky little heart so happy is I, I've i only ever missed running through the Roseville Cemetery for the Cemetery 5K once in the 15 or 20 years I've been around Chicago. And that was because we were leading ghost tours. Um, <laughs> this, year, this year, we're not. This year, I'm like, F that. We're going to schedule around that. I'm going to be at that event. I just love it. There's nothing better than taking a spooky jog through Rose Hill, uh, one of those beautiful <laughs> cemeteries. And, and it's a great way to raise money for a good cause too. I believe registration is currently open for that. So if you want to get a chance to know Andersonville in an even more in-depth way, run that cemetery at night with me. Zach, what about you? Oh, I think my 
earliest uh, experience uh, that inspired me that I didn't realize how deeply was Christmas Carol. Like <laughs> Muppet Christmas Carol is my favorite movie. We do watch parties every year and everything like that. But it's the whole idea of like, oh, these are these are ghosts. Mm-hmm. They're literally the ghost of Christmas, whatever. And if you actually read the book, there's some poetry in there that is bar none that never makes the movies um, that are amazing. And I would say, yeah, I didn't realize how uh, uh, long and how quietly like seated underneath my heart that would uh, stick. And then realizing later in life of like, oh, that's that's why I like ghost stories is because I love Muppet Christmas Carol. But I would say in terms of like what inspired me uh, in terms of the genre is learning about the gray lady ghost from the Eastland disaster. We have an Eastland episode uh, early season one, and you can listen to it there. But basically she is a ghost that is seen at the old Harpo studios. It used to, it was uh, used as a makeshift morgue after the disaster. And she's seen bending down and looks like she's grabbing like a child's hand, like you don't see the child, but it looks like she's a nanny trying to help ghosts uh, of children along through the hallway of wherever she's spotted. She's seen on so many different things, security cameras, TV cameras, all that stuff. And the thing that inspired me was like, oh, this isn't an angry ghost. This isn't a scare you ghost. This is a helper ghost. This is a healing ghost. And at that point, at first, before that, I was like, oh, ghost stories have to be all these things. And then after that, I was like, oh, the, this is a much bigger arena that I can play in. Uh, and yeah, so after that, I was like, this is, I am nowhere near uh, knowing what this genre can do. Yeah. Awesome. More things in heaven and hell for ratio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank you for so that. The other thing, yeah, I just want to point out, I just want to shamelessly huckster ourselves. In that season one of pod, uh, the sh- podcast Shadow Carriers is all Chicago stories. Yeah. So if you're gearing up thinking you get ready for Anderson and Bill and you want to go on a ghost walk and you want to hear what are these guys like, you've got a whole season of Chicago ghost stories you can sit down and listen to and see what, how we tell, why we tell our very our very style. Like it's the best preview you can possibly get because we're going to bring that same kind of sentiment to the work we do in Anderson and Bill. This is the fourth year that we've run it. We've never not sold out. Um, Get your so tickets early would, to secure it. Like, no, yeah, no I really, I really would. And and heads up on that wonderful experience of doing the sit down option at the understudy. Like this is a great plan chance to do it. And without the walking, or if you have accessibility needs, this is a great opportunity for you to to join us. And so I just want to point out that uh, again, if you want to hear us, season one, all all Chicago, you know. And um, there's a lot of great lakes maritime history coming out in season four too. So if you want to keep it regional. Keep it specific. Those are some options for you. I actually just realized the Eastland is my next episode. I just hey. uh, I just finished <laughs> Lincoln Park. So, uh, well, hey, thank you both for joining me today. This is great. This is uh, this is really phenomenal theatrical opportunity coming up, and I'm gonna grab my ticket soon because I definitely would love to do that this year. I think as a member, as an employee of the Chamber of Commerce, it's a shame I don't know all the spooky stories about Andersonville. Mm. Well, you can find us on uh, facebook.com slash shadow carriers and all our events uh, are already posted, but our tickets are through Eventbrite, uh, bright with a B-R-I-T-E. And if you search for shadow carriers in Chicago, we'll come up. Um, Just, you know, it's the Andersonville walking tour. That's the only tour that we're doing. And so it's either the Andersonville walking tour, the sit down 
show for the Andersonville at Mrs. Murphy's or at the understudy. There's three different events, but then you can get through the dates when you click into them. And Charlie, I want to point out the fact that um, there's actually so many Andersonville ghost stories that we're not telling. We don't have time. Like there is, I almost, I almost have enough for a whole secondary tour about stories we've been collecting for the past four years that haven't made the current script. So I need even a book. If you do hear, I need a book. Yeah. <laughs> I t- well, may- maybe, maybe we are writing that book together. Who knows? Right? <laughs> um, but it's, it's going to take, it's, it's really exciting. We sat down this year and looked at it and like, yeah, there's, there's enough material for me to do a whole nother tour, but we wanted to focus on what we had available and the stories that we finally honed and finally tuned. That's what we're going to bring to you all today. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is, this is wonderful. I'm very excited. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. A pleasure. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having us. Uh, A reminder that the Shadow Carriers tours begin Sunday, October 8th and run through Friday, October 20th. They are only here for that short run and they have sold out the past couple of years. So make sure you secure your tickets early. You can find them on Facebook uh, for event links at facebook.com slash shadow carriers. And as Zach said, if you head to Eventbrite and search for Shadow Carriers, you'll find their tickets there as well. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Mm